0: Good morning everyone. My name is Audric, and I'm the kids minister here and unusually I won't be sending the kids out today. But I'll be sharing God's word with us today, so keep your Bibles open to page 1625, 1625 as we read through Luke 15. But before we begin, how about we pray and ask God to help us see him in his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us as we read your word today? Open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Coming from a family with tiger parents, I had to do a lot of tutoring and extracurricular activities. I started piano lessons when I was just the small age of three, and most of my holidays were spent nine or three at coaching colleges. And my afternoons, what afternoons? (laughs) They were jam-packed with sports and music and all these other tutoring. It was go, 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 and only the best was expected from my sister and I. You'd better be a doctor, Audrick. Doctors earn good money and have stable jobs because people are always sick. You'll never be out of a job. <laughs> Which is why I have this one distinct memory of high school. I was always good at maths, and it's probably because I'm Asian. So I knew that it was my meal ticket into getting into medicine. So one year I worked really, really, really hard and I topped my grade with a 90%, 97% in the final exam. 97 whopping percent. I only lost two marks in the entire exam. That's almost perfection. So I was excited to take this exam home and show my mum I was pretty smug. This will show, mum. But it didn't take long for my smug and stupid smile to be wiped off my face because it was right then my mum said, 97%? So you still made mistakes? Let me see them. (laughs) As she rifled through my exam, she found the offending questions and she saw immediately that they were silly mistakes. So silly, Audric, always making silly mistakes. It was at that moment I realized I was never going to be good enough. Nothing I did was going to receive her praise. I was never going to be welcomed into the academic heaven of an immigrant parent. <laughs> and you know what? It can be quite similar when we come to God. Without realizing, we come to God feeling like nothing we do will ever please him. We come to him knowing that we failed him again. We're still struggling with pride. We're still disobeying our parents. We're still lying to get promotions and climb that corporate ladder. We're still gossiping. We're still hiding our sexual sins. And there's no hiding it because we know that God does know. So how can we keep coming to him? How can we ask Him anything? Why would God want us to come to Him when we still have this huge pile of dirty laundry stacked up against us? Today's passage, we find out what God truly thinks. So, we're going to look into Luke 15. Where are we in Luke 15? A crowd has gathered around Jesus. Among them are Pharisees and teachers of law. They mutter amongst themselves. They're complaining that this man... Eats with sinners. Why would Jesus bother with this human garbage? What kind of teacher would bother with this filth? He might as well just pull out a dog bowl and eat off the floor with them. No one would risk their standing in society like Jesus was. Stooping down low, all to spend time with these thieves, these godless traitors and fools. Let's cast our eyes to verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus hears what they're saying, so he answers them. He starts by asking, What would you do if you lost one of your hundred sheep? Sheep, of course, are important to a shepherd. They provide wool, they provide meat, they provide income. So when the man is counting off his sheep and he finds he only has 99, what does he do? He goes looking for it. The the shepherd searches high, he searches low, and he goes looking for where the sheep might go. He leaves no plain or rock unturned until he finds that sheep. And when he finds it, he is overjoyed. He is so relieved that he carries this 80-plus kilogram sheep all on his shoulders, No worries. He's stoked. He can't contain himself. So he celebrates and he invites his friends, he invites his neighbors, he invites them to share in his excitement. Well, Jesus says that God rejoices even more than the shepherd when even one sinner repents. God and all the heavens rejoice. Read with me from verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Okay, so God has great joy when a a sinner is found, but we're not done. Jesus goes on to tell a story of a lost coin, but it's not one out of a hundred now, it's one of ten, each coin being roughly one day's wage, but actually, you know what, this is probably actually more than one day's wage for this woman because she's so poor that her house doesn't even have the luxury of a window. It's dark inside her house, so she's using a lamp, and she's So poor that one day's wage is probably a huge sum for her. These are probably her life savings. And 10% of her life savings are gone. If you discovered that 10% of your life savings were gone in the bank, you'd go looking for it, wouldn't you? You'd go through your transactions, seeing where it disappeared. You'd call up the bank and you wouldn't hang up until they find it, right? Same way this woman searches high, she searches low, casting light into every nook and cranny in her house, She doesn't stop until it's found. But when the coin is found, she rejoices. She's so excited she can't contain herself. She invites those around her. It's great, we found the coin. And Jesus says again, even more than this is God's joy for the sinner who repents. Let's see it in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we can see it's building up, right? So it's a sheep, it's a coin, and now there's a lost son. It's even more valuable. So here's how the story goes. There's a father with two sons, and the youngest of the sons is greedy and demands his inheritance early, well before his father has died. If I were to translate this into 2022 English, it'd be, Dad, can you just die already? And those listening in the crowd will be hearing this, expecting the son to be beaten out, cast out, disowned from his family. Things haven't changed 2,000 years later, maybe not the beating, but... You'd be disowned, right? But the weird thing in this story is that the father is patient. The father completely tolerates this disrespectful act, and he gives the son what he wants. So off goes this young man, wallet full, living like a kid with a hundred bucks in a candy shop, like a teenager with his paycheck. He likes, he sees, he buys, and eventually he runs out of money, just like any person who wins the lotto. He's left with nothing. He can't even buy food, and he's so hungry that he considers eating pig food. It's then that he gets a moment of clarity, and he realizes that even his father's servants lived better than this. So, maybe he'll go back, and he'll go and be a servant to his father. Great idea! So he makes his way back, and he treks all the way home. But as he's nearing his hometown... His dad sees him in the distance and he starts running to him. Sounds pretty ordinary to to us, especially dads in this congregation that not only go for runs but go on long cycles in lycra tights and shave their legs and bare their hairy chests. But 2,000 years ago, this isn't normal. This is not North Shore dad, this is Middle Eastern dad. Men don't run. Men don't tuck their tunic up Like a woman, they don't show their bare legs. They don't throw wild throws of emotion. Especially not a man of this father's status. But the father doesn't care. He runs and he bolts at the son and he welcomes him home. Clothes him with the best robe, probably his own. Puts shoes on him, puts a ring on his finger. The father treats him like family. The son is restored back to his family. The father is so overjoyed that he kills the fattened calf And this is even more than just inviting family and friends. Because when the fattened calf is cooked, the whole village is invited. There's enough food for everyone to eat. Come, see, my son is back. Celebrate with me. Spare no expense. Let's see it in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fan and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found, so they began to celebrate. (coughs) The Sun is back. The daddy's happy. Woohoo, Roll the credits. It's a Disney movie. High-energy music. It's finished. Yay, Sun's back. But it's not the end of the story, is it? Remember how I said it was a story about a lost son? Well, I should have said that it was a story of two lost sons, because we've met one lost son, and he's back, but now we're meeting the next son. And he's not your traditional lost son, splurging cash on lavish living, going to prostitutes. In fact, we see it in the way that he talks to his father. Look, he starts off with. Very, very disrespectful. Start with dad, start with father, start start with papa, but not a command. And he carries on. I've always done the right thing. I've slaved for you. I've never disobeyed you. And I've never even gotten a goat let alone a fattened calf. He's so mad that he won't even enjoy the party. He won't even acknowledge his returning brother back. He's a different type of lust because he doesn't care about how the father feels. He just cares that this so-called brother of his got to do whatever he wanted and somehow now that he gets a party as well and meanwhile he doesn't even get a goat. He gets nothing. Let's meet him in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your father has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All those years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I should celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. And here we are left with the, the cliffhanger. What will the older son do? Will he miss out on the banquet or will he join in celebrating his brother's return? Not your classic Disney ending story. Well, with with these stories, we have three things that we can learn. But before we do that, we just need to go over what we've just read. We've seen three stories of increasingly valuable things that were lost. A sheep, a coin, then a son. And when they were found, there was incredible rejoicing. Rejoicing with those around them. So, out of the three things, the first one... We're going to learn about is the joy of God. Friends, when we turn away from our sin and we turn to God, God actually delights in us. When we fully and wholly trust in Jesus that he's taken away our sin, all of heaven erupts in praise. When we read that there is joy in heaven, when a sinner is found, that joy of heaven is for you. Each and every one of you. This is God's joy, and this is God's joy for you. Do not make the mistake of making God like my tiger mom, a God who is constantly disappointed, a God who is in the distance, a God who doesn't really care. This is not the God of our Bible. This is not our God. Let me tell you, we have this incredible, amazing God. He's created all these things. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing, and all He holds all of life in his hand. This is our God. And you know what? He is a happy God. He's happy. He's delighted in you. He loves you. He cherishes you. You are his great prize. His prized possession. You are the lost sheep. You are the lost coin. You are that lost son. Can you picture it? God is filled with joy for you. He is joy and he is fullness of pleasure in him. There is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Psalm sixteen, eleven. This is the God of our Bible. This is our God. Don't get it confused with what you hear people say about him, what you see in the movies, what you might even feel about God because we're seeing it here in this passage today. God is a joyful God. Christians This is the joy of God for you. That is the joy of God. That's number one. Number two, the welcome of God. At the beginning, Jesus gets criticized. In verse two, the Pharisees complain. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you imagine the faces of the tax collectors and sinners as they heard the parable of the lost sons? They've been copying it from the Pharisees for years and years, these disgusting people. But when they heard the parable, they would have understood what Jesus was talking about. They would have known that they were the younger son. They were the ones that threw away their inheritance with the father. They were once God's chosen people, but instead they had betrayed them stealing from them, living their own way, not the way that God's chosen people were supposed to behave. But all of a sudden, there was a way for the sinful son to return. There was a way for them to return. Despite all the cruelty and judgment that they had received from the Pharisees and the experts of the law, these sinners were actually the ones being welcomed in the story. Jesus was reserving a place for them in God's kingdom. Jesus was welcoming human garbage. How is it that human garbage have a place in God's kingdom? God's kingdom is for good people, right? Well, from the story of the lost sons, we learned that it's not just traditional human garbage. The ones that use prostitutes, that spend all their money, the older son had claimed to do everything right by the father, and still he stood unwilling to be grateful for his brother's return. He wasn't going to the father's banquet. He was being self-righteous, just like the Pharisees and the scribes. But even with the oldest brother's disgusting attitude, we see here that the father still welcomes him to the party. The father welcomes both of his sons The Father cares for both of his sons, and this is the heart of our Heavenly Father. The Father welcomes all. He welcomes all kinds of human garbage. There is no such thing as too wicked, too evil, too despicable, too unlikable. Call yourself whatever human garbage you want. And now when I'm saying human garbage a lot, what do I mean by that? Well, take your pick. Murderer, thief, adulterer, Your garden variety crooks. But how about being judgmental, being self righteous, being greedy, being proud, being lustful? And that's just the top of the list. Wait, I guess that makes all of you guys human garbage, me included. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end with the coin being stuck under the lounge, the sheep stranded on a cliff face, or the sun wallowing in the pig. God's welcome goes beyond that. God's invitation doesn't say, oh, just RSVP before you die. God doesn't wait for you to just idly decide. God searches for you high and low. He gets the lamp out. He searches you out, and he comes and finds you, and he brings you back. And do you know how he does this? He does this by sending Jesus to die for all human garbage. Dying the death death reserved for human garbage on a sinner's cross. A pathetic, dishonorable, disgraceful way to die. All so that the Father could welcome you in. Jesus is that welcome. Jesus is that invitation. Turn away from your sin. Trust in him. Let Jesus take away all all punishment for all of your sin friends if you are that today if you haven't turned away from your sin if you haven't placed your trust in jesus today there is good news the father wants you home the father wants his son home come back now today is the day don't wait any longer don't let anything hold you back You're not too far gone. You're not too far away. He won't reject you. Just because it's been long since you turned from God, he's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. God just wants you. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're more human garbage than the next person, the person next to you. All of us here, without Jesus, this is just a giant trash can of human garbage, or filthy sinners incapable of turning to God. But God is searching for each and every one of you, looking for you so that you'd just come home. Turn away from your sin now. Join the banquet of the fat and calm. God wants the joy of your return, of you. It's incredible isn't it god welcomes utter human trash and if you're someone here who is is garbage thanks to jesus take heart in knowing that god has searched high and low for each and every one of you you are his prized sheep his prized coin his prized son that is your worth in christ how good is god's welcome that utter trash become family Third and finally, we have the joy of the neighbors, number three. So sharing God's joy. Now, the last thing we would want to be is like the older son, sitting outside of the banquet, missing out. It would be awful to be like the scribes and Pharisees, grumbling away about how sinners are welcomed into the family. Wouldn't it be a shame if all of that meant Nothing if we didn't care that sinners were being found by God? Wouldn't it be a shame if we were actually missing out on joy, on happiness? Who wants to miss out on happiness? And you know what? God wants us to enjoy what he is enjoying. He's sharing this joy with us. We see it in the three stories. The shepherd, the woman. They invite their friend and families. And the father goes even one step further. We see him killing a an fat and calf. A feast fit for an entire village. We get to be a part of that village. We get to be those friends. We get to be that family. We get to be a part of God's joy in finding the lost. We're the neighbors. We're the friends. We're the family. And isn't that great? We get to be a part of what God's doing. We get to enjoy people coming into God's family. Friends, Doesn't that excite you? Sinners repenting and turning their lives toward their heavenly Father. We heard it earlier in the spotlight about Easy English. Beth and Shalene, they get to joyfully serve in Easy English. And they don't just do it because they love the English language and they get to teach visitors and migrants how to fit into Australia better. They love it because they get to witness firsthand people returning to God. They get to share the Bible with the lost, people that God is seeking. They get to see people find their heavenly Father who is rejoicing over them. Beth and Shaleen and the Easy English team get to share in God's joy. And what about the mission offering that we heard today? Why is it so exciting that we raised over $200,000? We raised more money than we ever have. Well done, Chatswood Presbyterian. It's awesome because we get to be a part of God searching the lost and people are being found. Not just here, but everywhere to the ends of the world. We are a part of that. This mission offering helps that happen. That's exciting. We're a part of it. When girl points a drug addict back to Jesus, we're a part of that. That's a win for all of us. We get to rejoice with girl. We get to rejoice with God. When another uni student comes to Christ, we get to rejoice with Dan and Megan. We get to rejoice with Sarah Weaver. We get to rejoice with the Johnsons. We get to rejoice with God. How good does that feel? This is what needs to drive us. This is what drives us. This joy, we need to hold on to it. So that we keep on welcoming others into God's family. We preach the good news of Christ crucified and resurrected. We don't stop serving. We don't stop praying. We don't stop giving. We don't tell ourselves that this is it. We cling on to the joy of God's joy for the lost. And we worked tirelessly, seeking out the lost, so that more might turn to Jesus. So that we will share more in God's joy. This is God's joy for the lost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an incredible God, full of joy and full of love. Help us to see that. Help us to share that joy that we might seek to see the lost be found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.